Welcome to Traveling Culturati, where we explore cultures and share travel news, travel tips, destinations, and travel chats. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Hey there, fellow Culturati. Javon Harley here, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati. Thank you so much for coming back for another week of travel news, travel tips, and travel chats. Just make sure you head on over to the website, TravelingCulturati.com, so that you can see where we're going in 2022. We're kicking the year off in January in Ghana, January 22nd through the 29th. And then also in February, going to Dubai with an extension to the Maldives. That's February 23rd through March 2nd or 6th, depending on whether or not you're going to the Maldives fabulous trips so i hope you want to come with again head over to travelingculturati.com to check it out well we're here in the season tis the season yeah no 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 not that one we're not going that far yet (laughs) let's revel in the current season that we're in today we are falling in love with fall one of my favorite seasons of the year maybe my favorite season of the year and by many accounts it's a lot of people that fall in love with fall and there's a good reason for it from fall festivals to fall foliage and everything in between we're falling in love with fall and we're exploring its traditions we'll also have Javon's travel minute and the culture report but right now we're going to get into a little travel news Delta Airlines is trying to create a national no-fly list of unruly passengers after banning 1,600 people from its flights. Their reason is one airline bans an unruly traveler and they put them on their no-fly list. They just book on another airline. So Delta is looking and pushing the U.S. airlines to share their lists of banned passengers during the pandemic for disruptive behavior. In a memo, Delta wrote, we've also asked other airlines to share their no-fly list to further protect airline employees across the industry. A list of banned customers doesn't work as well if that customer can fly with another airline. Now, according to Delta, they have put more than 1,600 people on its own no-fly list since COVID-19 pandemic began. United Airlines has temporarily banned more than 1,000 people since the pandemic began. And according to FAA, the rate of unruly airline passenger incidents had dropped sharply since the start of the year, but remained twice as high as it was at the end of 2020. The FAA recorded 4,385 unruly passenger incidents between January and September 2021. This is according to the agency's website. More than 3,000 of those reports were related to passengers refusing to wear a mask. It has initiated nearly 800 investigations, far more than any other year since 1995. The FAA announced in August it had proposed more than $1 million in fines for unruly passengers in 2021. Flight attendants have said the rise in passenger violence has left them fearing for their safety. Crew members have reported being spat on 
punched and called racial slurs by passengers. U.S. lawmakers and aviation unions pushed for new action to prevent unruly passenger incidents. The complaints are that DOJ have been slow to investigate and to seek indictments. The House of Transportation is proposing airlines submit their no-fly lists be sent to FAA for them to potentially create a national list. A Justice Department spokesperson said that interference with flight crew members was a federal offense that can result in a maximum penalty of 20 years in prison. Well, there was some singing and dancing going on in Johannesburg, South Africa, as the national airline returned to the skies. State-owned South African Airways, long-standing financial woes were exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, and it halted all operations last September when it ran out of funds. It restarted domestic flights with Johannesburg to Cape Town on last week and will soon launch a slimmed-down international service to five African capitals. That's Accra, Kinshasa, Harare, Lusaka, and Maputo. South African Airways employees who returned to work for the first time since last year were certainly jubilant and broke out in song near South African Airways plane at Johannesburg Airport. The government has said it will sell a majority stake in South African Airways to a local consortium and a due diligence process has been mostly completed. But the share purchase agreement has not yet been signed. The planned sale of 51% stake in South African Airways is part of government efforts to halt repeated bailouts to state firms like South African Airways and Power Utility ESCOM that have placed massive strain on stretched public finances. Emirates Airlines is the first to roll out the IATA travel pass across the globe. IATA is the International Air Transport Association, and they're the first to implement its travel pass solution on six continents with its digital health pass to passengers at all its destinations. After successful trials in April on select routes from Dubai Hub, Emirates has gradually expanded the IATA Travel Pass pilot to customers on 12 routes in June and now a signed contract with IATA to implement the solution across its global network. Currently available to Emirates customers traveling from 50 cities, the rollout across all 120 plus Emirates destinations is expected to be completed by October. Emirates Chief Operating Officer said that Emirates continues to invest in technology and solutions like the IATA Travel Pass so that we can deliver smooth journeys and contactless experiences for our customers while enabling our airport teams to handle document checks efficiently and in compliance with regulatory requirements. They also added that by providing passengers with a one-stop shop to demystify, manage, and process these credentials through a secure automated process, they can arrive at the airport ready to fly using automated processes. This will avoid queuing up and congestion for document checks to the benefit of travelers, airlines, airports, and governments. So everyone should be happy. Now, the key features of the IATA Travel Pass are that it is a repository of the latest travel requirements, 
It enables passengers to find accurate information on travel, testing, and vaccine requirements for their journey. They can register for testing centers. It enables the passengers to access certified COVID-19 testing centers at their departure location, which meet the requirements of their destination. And it's a digital documentation. The app allows passengers to manage their travel documentation digitally from receiving test results and vaccination certificates directly from authorized labs and test centers. And of course, this is to conveniently and securely share these documents with authorities and airlines to facilitate travel. Well, let's see if that's going to come to the United States. The EU and the UK citizens can register their vaccine certificate on the app and work is underway to enable a broader range of verified digital travel documents to be linked or uploaded to the app. Well, the world's top 20 airlines for 2021 have already been named according to AirlineRatings.com. Heading up the list is Qatar Airways, followed by Air New Zealand, Singapore Airlines, Qantas, Emirates, Cathay Pacific, Virgin Atlantic, United Airlines, Eva Air, British Airways, Lufthansa, ANA, Finnair, Japan Airlines, KLM, Hawaiian Airlines, Alaska Airlines, Virgin Australia, Delta Airlines, and Etihad. I'm so happy to see U.S. carriers in this top 20 list for so often as of late, we haven't been in those top lists. Now to be named in the top 20 airlines, they must achieve a seven-star safety rating and to demonstrate leadership in innovation, for passenger comfort. According to AirlineRatings.com editor-in-chief, they are focused on leadership and airlines that innovate to make a real difference to the passenger experience. And in their evaluation, they also consider the audited feedback from passengers on their website. Qatar Airways was ranked number one because of its cabin innovation, passenger service, and its dedication and commitment to continue to operate throughout the COVID pandemic. The airline has a host of industry firsts. First, to complete IATA's important IOSA safety audit, first to be fully COVID audited and compliant by both AirlineRatings.com and Skytrax, and amongst the first to trial IATA's COVID safe travel pass. Well, kudos, Cutter. Now, United Airlines gets the largest ever DOT fine for tarmac delays. It's been hit with a $1.9 million fine by the U.S. Transportation Department for surpassing federal limits on long tarmac delays. It relates to violations on 25 flights, which stayed on the tarmac for hours without allowing passengers to disembark. It affected a total of 3,218 passengers and was the largest fine dished out by the U.S. Department of Transportation for tarmac delays. The department's Office of Aviation Consumer Protection found violations between December 2015 and February 2021 on 20 domestic flights and five international flights. Now, apart from some exceptions, planes stuck on the tarmac for more than three hours must allow passengers to deplane. The tarmac delay rule began in 2010 for domestic flights and was expanded to international flights a year later. United was also ordered to cease and desist from future violations. 
We have a brand new experience coming up. The Muhammad Ali experience is coming to Los Angeles in collaboration with New Zealand-based Genio Global Entertainment, a new immersive experience highlighting the life and achievements of the greatest is coming to Los Angeles. The Muhammad Ali experience is expected to open in summer 2022. The experience intends to showcase the story of the greatest of all time and take fans beyond the scenes of Ali's most iconic moments. Muhammad Ali's life was extraordinary and they are thrilled to share the experience with fans from all over the world. The agreement enhances Genio Global Entertainment's position globally in the brand tourism and location-based entertainment sectors. Genio Global Entertainment is the official operator of the Muhammad Ali experience under a license with Authentic Brands Group, which is in conjunction with Lani Ali as trustee of the Muhammad Ali Family Trust. This is something you really need to know. The US is imposing tougher entry rules for returning unvaccinated Americans. Last week, the US opened the door for vaccinated foreign travelers, but it's making it a bit tougher for unvaccinated Americans returning home. It actually just requires that you have additional COVID testing one three days prior to your return, one day before your return, and then also you must provide proof of testing kit upon your return as well. And finally, Idris Elba is opening a wine bar in London this fall. The new wine bar and restaurant will be named after his wine and champagne brand, Port Noir which launched in 2018 and is owned by Idris and his business partner, David Farber. It'll reportedly have 800 different kinds of wines, hoping to make it one of the largest fine wine tasting rooms in London. Port Noir opens Monday, October 18. And that's it for travel news. When I come back, we'll have Javon's Travel Minute and we'll fall in love with fall. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Welcome back to Traveling Culturati. I'm your host and travel pro, Javon Harley. Head on over to the website, travelingculturati.com. Connect with me on social media and join that travel club. We're going to Ghana in January and we're going to Dubai and the Maldives in February. And now, Javon's Travel Minute. I'm always on the lookout for great travel tips. Anything that can aid me and my travels to make them easier. I perused several lists of travel professionals and masters to see what was on their list. And the ones that were either most noted or really stood out for me are the following. At the top of the list is to always pack light. When I began traveling again since the pandemic, I noticed that I had difficulty deciding what to pack. And the result of that was overpacking. Before the pandemic, packing for me was automatic. I had to go back to my practices of packing and tactics to help me pack light. They are make a list and check it twice, have a color palette and lay out all my clothes in one area before packing them in my suitcase. When you go out, take only what you need. Oftentimes we feel the need to take too many things with us as we go out for an event or activity. 
Take only what you need, especially money. Don't take your entire travel bag. Leave your passport, extra jewelry, money, and credit cards in your hotel room for safekeeping. I usually take one credit card, enough cash for my activity, and a copy of my passport. This way, if my bag is lost or stolen, I still have cash and my passport, and I'll need both to get back home. Make extra copies of your passport and those important documents. Moving around a lot comes with traveling, and that means things can get lost or misplaced. Having those extra copies will come in handy, and keeping them stored electronically is even better. Learn basic phrases in the language of the country you're visiting, especially please and thank you. These phrases will go a long way and make people more receptive to you. It's a sign of respect for their local culture, and you don't have to be perfect. You'll find that doing so, people are friendlier and more willing to assist you. Get travel insurance. This is even more important today with the pandemic. An insurance that covers cancellation, delays, interruptions, medical assistance, medical coverage, and even medevac will save you tons of money and provide much needed assistance if needed. Be respectful. This should go without saying, but it's always worth repeating. Learn the cultural do's and don'ts to avoid being unintentionally disrespectful. And remember, you're in another country. Don't expect or demand that things should be as they are in your country. Just a few rules to live and travel by. This is Javon, and that was your Travel Minute. I'm so happy about today's show and it makes me smile because I love fall. I love fall weather. I love falling in love with fall. And of course, I always like to look at the adult edition because those of us who have children, we're always focused on our children. And sometimes we want to do some grown-up things. <laughs> now, while fall is often associated with back to school, I find that it appeals to grown folks and it's fall foliage, farmers markets, wine harvest, and let's not forget fall fashion. Fall offers a full bounty, pun intended, of things to do, especially for adults. After children have gone back to school, adults can now play. This is our time for some grown-up fun. So let's talk about the fall season and the top reasons why it's a great time to travel. The weather is mild. Sweater weather, anyone? It's a great time to be outdoors. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's very comfortable for long walks and some wonderful outdoor exploration. And when packing, you're saved from the need of those bulky coats or bulky clothing. It's less expensive. Whether you're on a budget or not, fall is one of the least expensive times of the year to travel. I mean, everybody likes to save money, right? This applies to airfares and hotel rates, and it's referred to as the shoulder season. And also since the summer rush of travel is over, the airlines and hotels are more eager to entice travelers with lower pricing. It's less crowded. Remember I said earlier, children are back in school? Also the summer family vacationers, they're gone with the summer. This means fewer lines, less crowded attractions, and possibly discounted pricing for attractions for restaurants. You can get reservations easier. And overall, there are fewer people traveling. 
So let's get to some of the other highlights and wonderful things you can do in fall. One of the biggest draws and unique aspects of the fall season is fall foliage. I think that's probably the biggest thing. The colors of fall are phenomenal. So I want to talk about where to go and when you should go. Let's first talk about some science of it. Let's take you back to the days of school when we learned why the leaves change colors. Fall foliage season or peak periods, they're going to vary based on the part of the country and world you're visiting, all based on when the weather changes and when the time changes that will send the trees into their wardrobe change. So with that being said, let's talk about that science. It all starts with photosynthesis. The leaves typically produce their vivid hues of green from spring through summer and into the early fall. And that is because of the constant creation of chlorophyll. And as we learned in the fifth grade, yes, chlorophyll is the key component in a plant's ability to turn sunlight into glucose. I think I forgot that part, which in turn feeds the trees. Now, many millions of these chlorophyll cells saturate the leaves, ultimately making them appear green to the eye. But as the fall days begin to get shorter and shorter, the production of chlorophyll slows to a halt, eventually giving way to the true color of the leaf. We're talking about the oranges, the reds, and the yellows. Now there's some more scientific information, but I'm not going to bog you down with that because we're talking about travel. <laughs> Every year, smokymountain.com puts out a fall foliage map and it shows the entire country. It shows when and where the optimal leaf peeping opportunities are. You can also follow farmersalmanac.com for a state-by-state -state guide. And this is where I got my information for today. The fall foliage season has already begun, and depending on what part of the country you visit, will go until mid-November. The guide is color-coded to show no change, minimal change, patchy change, partial near peak, peak, and then past peak. Yeah, all the leaves are gone by then. The northern states have already begun to see most of the stages with the northeast mostly showing in patchy or partial with a little peak. Now the southern and western states are still in no change for the most part. So that should tell you where to go and when to go, but for the actual map and guide, just go to smokymountain.com. As far as the best places to go, according to some leaf peepers, <laughs> actually I went to Farmer's Almanac. They have a list of best places per region or zone. And so I picked the top ones from each of those zones that will cover the entire country. So for best places for fall leaves in the Northeast or called zone one, you're talking about New York, Vermont, New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, Connecticut, Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Delaware, Maryland, and Washington, DC. Now that's zone one. The top three places for zone one for fall foliage is New England. Yeah, they say New England can't be beat. And anyone who has visited Maine knows that Acadia National Park and the coastal towns along the ocean provide everything a leaf peeper could ask for. I guess we put leaf peepers with tree huggers. <laughs> I'm not sure. But also you can move inland. 
The peak viewing is October 1 through 17. The Letchworth State Park in western New York. We don't often think about New York, but New York has a lot of park area. So Letchworth State Park is located about 35 miles southwest of Rochester. It's renowned as the Grand Canyon of the East and is considered one of the most scenically magnificent areas in the eastern U.S. Now, visitors come to the 14,340-acre park to view the dramatic 600-foot cliffs. And during the fall foliage season, the colors add even more spectacular drama. The peak viewing for the autumn leaves in the region is during the third and fourth week of October. But you can go to New York State Fall Foliage Report for up-to-date information because every year the dates can be slightly different depending on the weather. And then can Camagos Scenic Highway in Lincoln, New Hampshire... This scenic highway is in the White Mountains of New Hampshire, known by the locals as the Kank. It provides some of the most spectacular fall foliage viewing in New England. It's a 35-mile scenic pass that connects Lincoln to Conway on Route 112. The peak viewing is September 28th through October 9th. So we're already kind of in that. It's quite early this year. Now, the best Places in Zone 2, we're talking about the Midwest and the Great Lakes, Ohio, Michigan, Indiana, Kentucky, Illinois, and Wisconsin. So here, the top two are the Big South Fork National Recreation Area, Kentucky. It encompasses 125,000 acres, and it's located in some of the most rugged territories on the Cumberland Plateau in the eastern part of the state. Now, Big South Fork of the Cumberland River passes through 90 miles of scenic gorges and sand bluffs. The peak viewing period there is October 5 through 21 for the eastern part, and for the western part, October 12 through 28. Lake Geneva area in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's farmlands, lakes, streams, and rivers combined with an abundance of oak, maple, and hickory trees certainly makes it a popular destination for viewing fall. Lake Geneva, of course, is phenomenal. So you'll see a lot of people going to that area. You're talking about routes 11, 12, and 36, which make up about 20 miles of scenic fall driving. Peak viewing period is October 5 through 14. For the Southeast, Zone 3 is Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida. One of my favorites, Skyline Drive, Shenandoah National Park. This is something we would do when I lived in D.C., It's Virginia's Skyline Drive. That's a national scenic byway, and it runs 105 miles along the crest of the Blue Ridge Mountains. The speed limit is just 35 miles an hour with 75 overlooks to pull over and enjoy the sights of the Shenandoah Valley. It's often called one of America's favorite mountain drives, Skyline Drive. We used to get the convertible out, put the top down, and if it was a bit chilly, put the windows up and turn the heat on, but keep the top down so that you can see all of the beauty around you. Great time. Oh, I've got to take my convertible out. I still have it. Maybe I'll go to Wisconsin or Kentucky. 
whichever one's closest to me and whichever one I can get to <laughs> more speedily. But the peak viewing period there is October 12 through 28. And you can go to virginia.org. And then there's the Great Smoky Mountain National Park in Tennessee. This one, they have 100 species of native trees that live in the Smokies. And you can enjoy the Klingman's Dome Road, the Blue Ridge Parkway, or the Foothills Park. The peak viewing period is mid to late October, depending on the elevation. Then there's Mount Chaha in Alabama, the highest point in Alabama. The top of Mount Chaha sits 2,407 feet above sea level, and it's called Chaha, or High Place, by the Creek Indians. The mountaintop is now home to Chaha State Park, a resort park complete with amenities at the foothills of the Appalachian Mountains. The peak viewing period is October 19 through November 4. But they also have a foliage sky cam. So if you can't make it there and you're just dying to see some fall foliage, you can just go to the sky cam. And then for the north central U.S., zone four is Missouri, Iowa, Minnesota, North Dakota, South Dakota, Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, Wyoming. So you have Fort Ransom State Park in North Dakota. The peak viewing period there is October 5 through 21. And you go to the Civil War General TEG Ransom, which is located 34 miles south of Valley City at Fort Ransom State Park. You have the Estes Park at Rocky Mountain National Park, Colorado. It actually starts late August, which is a great time to go but gorgeous backdrops. You can take Colorado 7 past 14,255 foot long peaks to Estes Park. The peak viewing period there is September through early October. So there's a very short window left there. We have the South Central U.S. Zone 5, Arkansas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, Texas, and New Mexico, Hawksbill Crag, Whitaker Point, the Ozark National Park Forest in Arkansas. Peak viewing period is October 12 through 28. And then for Zone 6, the Northwest is Washington, Oregon, and Idaho. You have the Olympic National Park in Washington. Peak viewing period is October 12th through 28th. The best places for fall leaves in the Southwest, Zone 7, which is the final zone, is California, Nevada, Utah, and Arizona. You have Logan Canyon Scenic Byway in Utah. It's been called the Byway of All Seasons. It's a stretch of the U.S. Highway 89 that also leads to Yellowstone and Grand Teton National Park. The first trees to start to turn in Logan Canyon are the mountain and canyon maples, which generally start a fiery transformation at the beginning of October. And then you have Big Sur Highway in California. That's another coast that I really want to go to. I've seen so many beautiful images, no matter what time of the year you go, but I can just imagine in the fall that it's absolutely beautiful. It's U.S. Highway 1 approximately 100 miles south of San Francisco. And it's said to rival anything on the East Coast for fall foliage. The peak viewing periods there, October 15 through 31. So happy fall foliage and leaf peeping. Pick the part of the country you want to go to. But let's talk about some of those activities. Because, you know, fall also gives us this wonderful 
time to reconnect with nature. It's the season for apples, going to an apple orchard, or you can have some fun and try different apples. Oftentimes your local grocery stores or farmer markets, which is another great thing to do, going to a farmer's market, will introduce some wonderful apples to you. And I've tried some different ones. And I tell you, a couple of years ago, I tried a new apple, Pink Lady, and it has been my favorite apple ever since. (laughs) So again, it's a wonderful time to explore new apples. You can go to travel.usnews.com. They have a list of the top 25 orchards in the United States. And then my other favorite pastime is wine tasting and harvest. Of course, both. Grape picking or grape harvesting is the first step of several in the winemaking process. And autumn is when you have your wine harvesting in the Northern Hemisphere. Now, typically it'll start the end of August, but it can go as late as mid-October as well, depending on where you are. And if you miss the actual harvest, all of fall is still a fabulous time to go for some outdoor activities and to take in the beauty of the areas. And then of course, harvest. Now the harvest season is typically late September through October. So look for some of those farm to table restaurants for seasonal menus and tastings. And then something that I am dead set on doing And I'm going to put together something so that hopefully maybe some of you can join me as well. We want to keep it small and intimate, but I want to do some glamping. It's another idea for outdoors in the fall. Great for hiking, boating, biking, and taking in the fall foliage. Now, of course, glamping is a hybrid name for glamorous camping. Yeah, that's my style. I had a friend ask me to go camping with her, but she wanted to do the real camping. I'm like, no, we're going to do some glamping if we go. Definitely not camping. I mean, I have to have those amenities. It's outdoor camping with amenities and those creature comforts like the bed, (laughs) electricity, and access to indoor plumbing. Those three things for me. Okay, the bed, I could do a sleeping bag, but I need electricity and I need indoor plumbing. Sorry, folks, if you like the hardcore camping. Hats off to you. I admire you. I respect you, but I need some glamping, camping with all the creature comforts. (laughs) Now, let's not forget about the pumpkin season. Now, I have to tell you, though, I am not a fan of pumpkin spice coffee. Don't mean to offend anyone who's been standing in line since day one to get their pumpkin spice latte. But no, I just don't like flavored coffee at all. So that's me. But I do like pumpkin spice for other things. And I like pumpkin. The season actually began mid-September and will last through October and November. And you can certainly take advantage of the great fall weather and head over to a local farmer's market to pick a pumpkin, or you can go to some pumpkin patches. And here's something. There are three types of pumpkins. Pumpkins for carving. There are gourds. And then there are pumpkins for baking. So not all pumpkins are made for baking or they're called pie pumpkins. 
So you can really explore the different types of pumpkins. So you can use them for decorations. You can have lots of fun activities at pumpkin patches. You can make a lot of treats. I love roasting pumpkin seeds. Curried pumpkin soup is wonderful. And last year, I made tons of pumpkin bread that was absolutely delicious. And then, of course, you can learn a lot about pumpkin carving and those hay rides. <laughs> Lots and lots of wonderful things to do. But I'm very serious about the glamping. So send me an email, javon at travelingculturati.com if you're interested in glamping. I'm in the process of looking at various sites to see where we can go, where we can get multiple accommodations and have more of a group kind of activity. It'll definitely be either late October or November before Thanksgiving, of course. But I really, really, really want to do that. And I have some places in mind, but if you know of some places, again, glamping only, send me an email, javon at travelingculturati.com. And also let me know if it's something that you're interested in doing, maybe for like two nights or three nights, having a fabulous time putting together a nice program where we can get together, enjoy nature, enjoy the creature comforts that we're used to at the same time and partake in some of these fall activities. Maybe there'll be some pumpkin patches or some apple orchards around. Definitely have to have some wine. So if we're not in an area that's known for its wine, of course, we can always go somewhere and stock up and have our own wine tasting and maybe even do a short little road trip wherever we are and hopefully see if there's still some fall foliage that we can take advantage of but certainly something that I would love to do and I am really working on doing and hopefully I can in October or November. So again, I'd like to know if you'd like to come with on something like that. Javon at TravelingCulturati.com. Now we're traveling again and we've got a fantastic lineup for 2022 and we're working on the lineup for 2023. Of course, since 2020, we've had to move some things to 2021 and then some things to 2022, but really having a wonderful lineup for 2022 and 2023. So as I said earlier, we're going to Ghana January 21 through 29. It'll be a great cultural experience. We'll visit Cape Coast, have a naming and atonement ceremony, connect with the Ghanaian culture, learn the history, we will visit the W.E.B. Du Bois Center, and of course, being the foodie that I am and many of you are, taste the Ghanaian cuisine. And then we're heading to Dubai and the Maldives. The Dubai Expo 2020 is being held in 2021. 2022 is underway, and we're going to be there February 23rd through March 2nd. This year's theme is connecting minds and creating the future. We're going beyond Dubai as well and offering an extension to the Maldives for a luxurious over-the-water bungalow experience. Go to TravelingCulturati.com for more information and to book. Now, when I come back, we're going to talk more about fall and the traditions of fall on The Culture Report. 
This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Well, hey there, fellow Culturati. Welcome back. I'm Javon Harley, your host and travel pro for Traveling Culturati, the website, travelingculturati.com. Connect with us on social media and join the travel club. I really do need your help. I need some bigger numbers on social media. So whichever platform you're following me on, Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, invite your friends to do the same so that we can share in our travel experiences. But yeah, no shame in my game. I need more followers, folks. So if you're following me on the air, follow me online, hit that like button and send out a notice to all of your friends to do the same. Culture is forever changing and reflecting what's happening in the society and with its people. It can be born from the arts, music, food, and sometimes politics and strife. Let's stay with the theme of fall and take a look at fall culture and the traditions that are synonymous with it. A historical backdrop that explains why we, Americans, love fall so much can be traced back to the 19th century in what historian Leo Marx termed the pastoral ideal, a vision of rural life characterized by slow-paced, small-scale farming, harmony with nature, and family togetherness. Now, Marx locates the roots of the pastoral idea in Americans yearning for a simpler, more harmonious style of life, an existence of closer to nature. America is now a largely urbanized landscape. And Marx is quoted, the once dominant image of an undefiled green republic, a great quiet land of forest, villages, and farms dedicated to the pursuit of happiness. Still, in America's 21st century culture, we hold on to the traditions of the fall season. And as Marx notes, the pastoral ideal connects us to the outdoor leisure activities like camping, glamping, (laughs) hunting, fishing, gardening, and hiking. This is ever more present in the fall season when we purchase those pumpkins, apples, corn stalks, and other seasonal favorites of the rural harvest tradition, especially now that most people don't live in rural areas. I think this is why we have this love affair with fall. So here's a list I wanted to explore from mentalfloss.com. Some of the fall traditions that we subscribe to today. Oktoberfest. Of course, this was taken from Germany. It starts the third week of September and ends the first Sunday in October. That's the official period. However, you know, we Americans extend it through into October. (laughs) Uh, It was created to commemorate the wedding of Bavarian crown prince Ludwig the Princess Theresa of Saxony, Hildbergenhausen, on October 12, 1810. Citizens celebrated again the following year, and then the year after that, and then the year after that. So the party grew as the years passed, and by 1896, the beer stands had given way to beer tents. And Oktoberfest has become a global celebration and recognized globally. And he's something that we celebrate here in the United States. 
corn mazes. Now, wandering through these corn crops or these configurations or like labyrinths is relatively a recent tradition. The first corn maze was created in 1993 at Lebanon Valley College in Anvil, Pennsylvania. And its creator, Don Franz, has also been responsible for producing Super Bowl halftime shows and Broadway musicals like The Lion King and Beauty and the Beast. We also have Election Day. That's a fall tradition. Now, when Americans first started voting, they had a 34-day period in which to get it done. But when Congress eventually designated a specific election day in 1845, they did so with farmers in mind. Many people had to travel up to a day to reach their voting locations. So Congress had to keep a two-day window open. Weekends were out because of church. And Wednesdays were no good because many farmers went to market that day. Tuesday basically won by default. We also have farmers to thank for the month in which we vote. November was post-harvest, but pre-snow. And as we know today, election day and voting is still changing and adapting to the culture. We have homecoming. Colleges claim to have held the first homecoming, but whether it was the University of Missouri Baylor or the University of Illinois, the tradition dates from early 1900s and was invented to encourage alumni to come back to visit, presumably infusing the community with cash from their newfound paychecks. (laughs) And then, of course, we have trick-or-treating. You can't talk about fall and not talk about trick-or-treating. Going door-to-door for food or specific holidays dates back to at least the Middle Ages. It became popular in the United States in the 1920s and 30s, but had to be put on hold during World War II due to the sugar rations. When the war was over, the practice returned with a vengeance. UNICEF latched on to the tradition in 1950, and trick-or-treat for UNICEF has since raised more than $180 million. Then we have beggar's night, believing that holding activities on Halloween night increases the chance of vandalism and mischief. Some communities choose to hold their annual trick-or-treat night on nearby dates in October instead. One of the first cities to adopt beggar's night was Des Moines, Iowa, which switched to an alternative date after a rash of petty crime that occurred in 1938. Then we have apple bobbing. Do they still do that? I know we did that as children. I'm sure you take on some of these harvest activities, you'll see apple bobbing. It's really hard to do. I've never been successful with being able to grab an apple that's bobbing in water. But it was once a British courting ritual where each apple was assigned the name of an eligible bachelor. And each woman would try to grab the apple representing the man she was interested in. Ooh, Getting it on the first try meant a happily ever after. Snagging the apple on the second attempt meant the couple would get together, but their love wouldn't last. And three tries was a no-go. Sorry, fella. Though the game waned in popularity during the 1800s, a version of it was revived at the end of the century by Americans remembering their cultural roots. I never knew that part about the eligible bachelor and the women trying to bob for apples. (laughs) Very interesting. We talked about pumpkin spice before. Yes. And I think we have Starbucks to thank for that. And this pumpkin spice latte. 
now it's all about pumpkin spice. <laughs> but definitely we do have Starbucks to thank for that. Haunted houses, the idea of an attraction designed specifically to creep people out has been around since the 19th century London. So we've adopted a lot of London's traditions. It was when Madame Trousseau exhibited eerily accurate wax replicas of French people getting their heads lopped off by the guillotine. But walkthroughs of macabre mansions filled with all manner of spooks and scares was first popularized in 1969. A lot of the professional haunters will point to one thing, and that's Disneyland's Haunted Mansion. It's the start of the haunted attraction industry. Lisa Morton, the author of Trick or Treat, a history of Halloween, told Smithsonian Magazine, within a few years, copies had popped up all over the country. Black Friday. Yeah, Black Friday. I've never really participated in this. My family got me out one time and I thought, no. <laughs> Where's the coffee shop? I'll sit there and wait for you all to finish. But we all know the Black Friday tradition. But the term Black Friday refers to the day after Thanksgiving when the city would be awash with rowdy fans attending the Army-Navy football game. Local retailers took advantage of the crowds by having sales and calling the day Big Friday. But the police term for it stuck. So by the 1980s, the discounts and super sales started across the nation. S'mores. That's another treat I'm not a fan of, <laughs> but I know everyone loves s'mores and maybe I'll give it another try. If we can just tone down the sweet, I can give it another try. That's what it is. It's just too sweet for me, but the different components of it I like. It dates back to at least 1927 when a recipe for some mores was published in a handbook called Tramping and Trailing with the Girl Scouts. The delicious combination of chocolate, marshmallow, and graham cracker was, of course, nothing new. You had the Malamar that was invented in 1913. But there's something to be said for the smokiness and warmth that comes from the fire. If I eat a marshmallow, it has to be burned to a crisp. Yes, I like the roasted marshmallow to be black. <laughs> and then give me some dark chocolate, then maybe I can do the s'mores. So I guess that's Traveling Culturati's s'more is burnt marshmallow, dark chocolate, and a graham cracker. <laughs> now here's something else I have yet to do, and I need to put this on my list. Bonfires, building giant fires for fun. <laughs> that's something that I definitely want to do. But it is a tradition, especially in the fall in part because many of the colonists weren't that far removed from participation in an event called Guy Fawkes Night. George Washington hated the tradition due to its anti-Catholic sentiment, another byproduct of the association with Guy Fawkes, calling it a ridiculous and childish custom in 1775. But it started as a 4th of July tradition when towns in New England used to compete. Well, there are a ton of other 
traditions that I won't go into detail, but I'll name them. Carving the jack-o'-lanterns, of course. And remember the Detroit Lions and Dallas Cowboys football on Thanksgiving? Well, football and Thanksgiving has become synonymous with fall. So has tailgating, the turkey pardon, Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade, the new fall TV guide. Remember that? The new fall TV guide. And that still happens today, but we just don't have the paper TV guide that we used to. And then of course, there are fall traditions around the world. Like in Ghana, the Festival of Yams is celebrated August and September. In India, Diwali, five days in October or November. And then you have Dia de Muertos in Mexico, Day of the Dead. They now have a ceremony that they do there. So anyway, I hope I've given you a lot of food for thought to fall in love with fall. If you're not already in love with it, go out and take in some outdoor activities, go on a hike, enjoy the fall foliage, do all of the wonderful things that we love to do in fall. Well, that's it for the show today. Wherever you go, go with all your heart. Confucius. Ladies and gentlemen. This is Traveling Culturati. We explore cultures and destinations. We share travel news and travel tips to keep you well-informed and prepared for your next travel adventure. So go ahead and up your travel game with Traveling Culturati. Visit TravelingCulturati.com for more information. Ladies and gentlemen.